Israeli Prime Minister proposes partial troop pullout from West Bank and Gaza. Frigid weather plunges from Alaska into the Plain States. Vice President Quayle is off on his first diplomatic mission. Good morning, Bill Lynch with the CBS World News Roundup. Israel's hardline Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir has unveiled a two-stage peace plan for the occupied territories. It calls for Israeli withdrawal from population centers and a degree of Palestinian self-rule. Shamir said talks on the future status of the West Bank and Gaza Strip would take place five years after Palestinian self-rule, but he did not rule out handing back some of the territory seized in the 1967 war. Correspondent Tom Fenton in Israel told us the Shamir plan seems doomed from the start. It's certainly contains elements that would be unacceptable to the Palestinians, not just the PLO, but to a good many of the Palestinians in the West Bank. But does this not say something about Israel's weariness with the uprising? Well, clearly the government is slowly coming around to the realization that it cannot end the uprising simply with military pressure. The chief of staff of the army has been pretty clear about this. Uh, the army realizes that it is facing uh, a nationalist movement and that sheer military pressure isn't enough. So the government is desperately looking around for, for other ways out. They're looking for political solutions. The PLO did quickly reject the Shamir plan as outdated and a pretext for continued occupation. With less than two weeks before the last Soviet combat troops are to leave, the diplomatic and military exodus continues from Kabul, Afghanistan. Barry Peterson is in Kabul. The big Soviet transport planes come roaring in every few minutes, escorted by helicopter gunships for the last stage of the perilous approach. The gunships throw off flares to mislead any American-made Stinger missiles the guerrillas might fire from surrounding hillsides. Once on the ground, the planes are quickly unloaded and almost as quickly take off, often carrying troops back to the Soviet Union. But Kabul's main lifeline remains the Salang Highway where fighting reportedly continues as Soviet troops beat back guerrillas, clearing the road, which is the main route for convoys carrying troops out, carrying supplies in. Barry Peterson, CBS News, Kabul. That's what it sounded like on the streets of Iran 10 years ago today as the Islamic Revolution swept to power and with it Ayatollah Khomeini. Today, the Iranian government marked the anniversary with pardons or commutations for 473 prisoners. State Department officials say President Bush has chosen Under Secretary of State Michael Armacost to be ambassador to Japan, replacing Mike Mansfield. The appointment being read as a sign of the importance of the Washington-Tokyo relationship. KNX 1070 News Radio. The Northern Plains and Mountain States are getting a taste of the bitter cold that has ripped Alaska for more than two weeks. Yesterday, the mercury hit a balmy 70 degrees in Valentine, Nebraska. Ten hours later, it was zero. Sue Grimm is trying to cope with the cold in Cutbank, Montana, where this morning it was 35 below zero. The wind chill factor is 60 below, but it was 78 below earlier today, so it's gone down a little bit. How it's affected your life in the last day or so? <laughs> For me, it just kept me inside until tonight. I had to go to work at 10 last night, so I had to go out. But other than that, I stay in when it gets this cold. <laughs> and your family? Uh, well, the schools were closed, so we were home. Um, my husband had to work, so he had to be out in it. But he bundled up pretty well. <laughs> Alaskans are still bundled up against the deep freeze there, but as Jerry Bowen tells us, there's been some improvement. The ice fog that gripped Fairbanks this week lifted briefly late yesterday, enough that officials have decided to reopen schools here. But with temperatures in the minus 40 range forecast for the next several days, the big chill is not over, and serious problems remain, especially in 38 remote settlements and towns which are now reporting food and fuel shortages. Supplies from the Red Cross were airlifted yesterday to Birch Creek, 
150 miles from Fairbanks, where 33 residents were down to only a three-day supply of food. Jerry Bowen, CBS News, Fairbanks, Alaska. The FAA has given airlines 25 days to check for possible wiring defects on more than 700 Boeing jetliners. Mark Phillips has that. They'll be looking for electrical problems where the wires leading from the engines to the cockpit might have been crossed so that a fire in one engine would trip the wrong indicator in the control panel, leading the pilot to switch on the wrong extinguisher system and possibly to shut off the wrong engine. In addition to looking at 472 Boeing 737s, the airlines will also inspect 747s, 757s, and 767s, all built since late 1980. Industry analysts say Boeing aircraft in Seattle may be trying to build too many planes too quickly, using some untrained workers like Lester Warby. The first job I had in there was running wire bundles in and connecting them up to the E-rack area without having the foggiest idea where the stuff went. The FAA directive is designed to find and fix problem aircraft. It also draws attention to some problems on the Boeing assembly line. Mark Phillips, CBS News, Washington. A similar inspection order was issued today in Britain. Yesterday's crash of a KC-135 tanker on takeoff from Dias Air Force Base in Texas involved more than military casualties. Nineteen people were aboard, all killed. It turns out 12 of those were passengers, apparently on a free flight to the beaches of Hawaii where that tanker was headed. Four of the passengers were in the military, four were retired, four were military dependents, reportedly including one child. Vice President Dan Quayle is off on a three-day visit to Latin America. Phil Jones reports. This will be the new vice president's first foreign assignment, and those in Mr. Quayle's office argue that this is evidence of the confidence President Bush has in his vice president. Quayle goes first to Venezuela to represent the U.S. in the inaugural of President Carlos Andres Perez. While in Venezuela, senior officials say Quayle will be a cheerleader for democracy. Quayle will meet with other Caribbean leaders and hold several bilateral meetings while in Venezuela. Sources say the vice president will be listening more than talking, that his message to the leaders is that there is a new administration in Washington and that policies of the past, including the U.S. attitude toward the huge Venezuelan debt, are all under review. The 41-year-old vice president will also spend a day in El Salvador, which has a presidential election in March. Administration officials say Quayle will meet with several leaders during his three-day Latin American tour, but that he has no plans to meet with Cuba's Castro or Nicaragua's Ortega, who will also attend the Venezuelan inaugural. Phil Jones, CBS News, Washington. Despite his lingering cold and a case of laryngitis, President Bush was at his desk at 7.30 this morning, but because of his voice, he did have to cancel an appearance before the national religious broadcasters. No such problem for Iran-Contra defendant Oliver North, who took time before a second day of jury selection at his trial to speak this morning at a Washington prayer breakfast. It is rare indeed for me to be able to gather with this many friends in Washington. <laughs> Normally, in order to speak in Washington, I have to have a subpoena. And I'm uh, very grateful for the chance to be with you here this morning. Soviet Foreign Minister Edward Shevardnadze arrived in Beijing today for pre-summit talks, saying he is full of good expectations and great hope for improved Sino-Soviet relations after a 30-year breach. The government's index of leading economic indicators rose a solid six-tenths of one percent in December. That's the largest increase since August. The December gain suggests sound prospects for continued economic growth. Overseas, the dollar is up. Gold is down over $2 at $392 an ounce. On Wall Street to this hour, the Dow Industrial Average is down six and a quarter points at 2336.07. Big board volume 34 and a half million shares. It's 10 past seven.